am I? How tough am I? I had a bowl of nails for breakfast this morning. <laughs> yes, so? Without any milk. Hello, Nailer fans, and welcome into episode number four of The Toolbox. I'm your host, DJ Abacella, and what a show we have planned for you this week. We have transactions to talk about involving some players from this past year's Nailer team, as well as one from a previous season. We have a terrific interview lined up and ready to go with the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, a former voice of the Wheeling Thunderbirds, Dave Gosher. And, of course, we'll update the playoffs around the NHL, the AHL, and the ECHL, which includes a highlight from last week's guest who called the longest game in AHL history earlier this week. Let's dive right on into it with the news segment of the Toolbox. And we start out with something that we don't usually talk a lot about in May, and that is transactions. And we don't usually talk about it in May because the ECHL, you can't start signing players until the middle of June, and you don't usually see a lot of those take place as the season winds its way down. You get ready for the offseason. Even at the NHL and the AHL levels, of course, NHL free agency opens up on July first but we have two players from the 2017-18 Nailers who have decided to take their careers in a different direction one on the ice and one of them moving from on the ice to behind the bench. The one on the ice is defenseman Dylan Zink, who is going to be playing in Norway during the 2018-19 season. He is signed with a team called Sparta Sarpsborg. So we want to wish all the best to Dylan. Dylan was a rookie this season for the Nailers. He was under an AHL contract. Also got some time in the AHL with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. And now he'll get a chance to experience life across the pond, so that should be exciting for him. Another member of the 17-18 Nailers who will be doing something different in 18-19 is Jeremy Barnes, who was recently named the head coach of the U-15 AAA Red Wings out of Camrose, Alberta. So Jeremy will be stepping behind the bench, and I think that's a very exciting opportunity for him in his own province of Alberta. And from what we saw of him this year here in Wheeling, really connected well with the younger kids, the hockey players, uh, with our Waha appearances, and I think he's going to do a great job molding their minds and uh, helping them ultimately achieve what he did in being able to have a long professional hockey career. The third player who is taking a new venture in hockey is a player who was with us at the end of the 14-15 season, 15-16, and then also 16-17. This past year, he played in the Buffalo Sabres organization for the Rochester Americans, and that is forward Adam Krausen. Adam has decided to hang up the skates for the final time, at least in a player standpoint, but he is also going behind the bench as he has been named the assistant coach of his alma mater, so that's really cool for him as he will be the assistant coach of the University of Minnesota Duluth. So congratulations to Adam on being able to go back to his old school. I'm sure that means a lot to him. He had great success in college and, again, being able to stay in the hockey world. So that's terrific uh, to see for Adam Krause. 
Moving on to some of the playoffs that are going on. The Final Four is set in the ECHL. Those are all getting ready to get underway this weekend. The two conference final series. In the Eastern Conference, you have the Florida Everblades taking on the Adirondack Thunder. And in the Western Conference, you have the Colorado Eagles taking on the Fort Wayne Comets. If you did the predictions at the start of the playoffs and you went with chalk, you're doing pretty well because three of those four teams were division champions, Florida, Adirondack, and Colorado, whereas Fort Wayne finished second, upsetting their arch rival in the division in the central there, the Toledo Walleye. Florida's only had to play nine games to get through the first two rounds. They're 8-1. and one. They have been dominant out of the south. Colorado is 8-2, and two, playing in 10 games. Fort Wayne 8-3, and three, and Adirondack 8-4. and four. One thing you definitely notice about these four teams that are playing in the conference finals, and this is something that I think Wheeling has struggled with the last couple of seasons, but did succeed with in 15-16 when it went to the Kelly Cup final, was the goaltending. And you look at it, Florida, Martin Ouellette, he's a fourth-year guy, and he's on an AHL deal with uh, the Charlotte Checkers. Joe Canada in Colorado, he's a sixth-year pro. He's on an NHL deal with the Colorado Avalanche. Adirondack is an exception, but then you have Michael Hauser with Fort Wayne. He's a sixth-year guy. And he has an AHL deal with the Tucson Roadrunners. Now, Adirondack had Mackenzie Blackwood and Olivier Mantha both under contract with higher-up clubs. Last year, you look at it with the South Carolina Stingrays, who had Parker Milner both last year and this year under AHL contract with the Hershey Bears. For Wheeling's standpoint, Adam Morrison, he was the guy here. He was under ECHL contract, did the best he could, but you definitely didn't have that help from Pittsburgh or Wilkes-Barre Scranton that you had, say, in 2015-16 when Brian Foster, who was a veteran goaltender, was under AHL contract with Wilkes-Barre Scranton. And you had Frankie Palazis, who wasn't an AHL contract that year, but he was the year before, and he had that experience. And I think that's definitely something that was lacking this year and even some of last year as well. And it'll be interesting to see going into the summer how things are handled because right now, Pittsburgh and Wilkes-Barre Scranton have just three goaltenders under contract. Matt Murray and Casey DeSmith both have NHL deals, and Anthony Peters has already signed to an AHL deal. Tristan Jari's a restricted free agent. Michael Layton's an unrestricted free agent. And Alex DiOrio is 19 years old, so he will not be ready to turn pro until 1920. So certainly a very small pipeline, and we'll see how that goes and if Pittsburgh and Wilkes-Barre Scranton are able to lend a helping hand in the free agent market to help the Nailers between the pipes going into the 18-19 season. Speaking of Pittsburgh, uh, it's unfortunate to see, but their quest for a three-peat has been brought to an end as they were defeated by the Washington Capitals in six games in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And you have a scenario this spring where Teams are starting to get the monkey off their back a little bit where Washington was beaten in 9 out of 10 series in the playoffs by Pittsburgh. You look at it in the ECHL too where Toledo had been dominating Fort Wayne for the past few years in postseason play and now Fort Wayne gets to kind of shake it off and throw the monkey off to the side as the Comets move on to the Western Conference Final where they'll take on the Colorado Eagles. But it's one of those things... It's going to happen eventually. You're going to enjoy dominating a team for only so long, and eventually 
a team's going to say enough's enough. They're going to get sick of it, and ultimately they're going to be able to overcome the big hurdle in the way, and that's what Fort Wayne and Washington have both done this season. Uh, in the NHL, and we're going to talk more NHL coming up in just a moment with the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, Dave Gosher, but it's a somewhat new cast of characters in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Tampa Bay is the only team left who has ever won a championship. The Lightning won it in 2004. Of course, they went to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2015 before losing to Scott Darling's Chicago Blackhawks. Washington has only been once. They've never won it. Whoever comes out of the Central Division, Nashville and Winnipeg, neither of those teams have won it. Of course, Nashville did go to the Finals last year. And, of course, Vegas is brand spanking new. So some cities that are getting a chance to experience deep playoff success for the first time almost ever. And that's great to see. And it's kind of a catch-22 where you want your big markets to have success in the NHL, like your L.A.s and your Chicago's and your New York's and your Boston's. You can even put Pittsburgh, Philadelphia into that category, your Canadian cities in Toronto, Edmonton, Calgary. But it also, I think, helps expand the game that much more. And I really admire Tampa Bay. You look at the two Floridian teams, the Lightning and the Panthers, and Florida, the Panthers, as we talked about last week on the show, haven't really had that success since 96 when they went to the finals against Colorado, whereas Tampa Bay, very consistently good, and they do put on a terrific presentation down there in Tampa. If you've ever had a chance to see it, they have a Tesla coil uh, that creates lightning inside the arena, which is a really, really neat touch uh, down in Tampa, and they get ready to take on Washington in the Eastern Conference Final. Look, quick look at the American Hockey League, and history was made earlier this week. The longest game ever played in AHL history took place on Wednesday night when the Lehigh Valley Phantoms beat the Charlotte Checkers in a game that lasted five overtimes. It got over after 1 o'clock in the morning. The goal was scored by... An ECHL guy this year from the Reading Royals, Alex Krushelniski, at the 6.48 mark of quintuple overtime, which is absolutely bananas, and I can't believe that anybody still had enough gas in the tank to play that game, or in the case of last week's guest, Bob Rotruck, be able to call that game. Alex Lyon, the goaltender for Lehigh Valley, 94 saves on 95 shots. Just your casual run-of-the-mill 989 save percentage. No big deal, right? So we mentioned that a Road Truck is our connection with Lehigh Valley there, the winning side of that five-overtime game. But we also had a former nailer who unfortunately was on the losing effort of that one, had the, lone go or the assist on the lone goal in regulation for the checkers, and that is defenseman Philip Samuelson, who played with the nailers during the 2011-2012 season. We are always keeping an eye on the IIHF Ice Hockey World Championship over in Denmark. Team USA is cruising. They have picked up four wins so far, three of them in regulation, one of them in overtime, although we are still looking for the first tournament appearance by goaltender Scott Darling. It's Keith Kincaid has been the man getting the job done so far in those first four games. And then the Germans with Freddie Tiffels, who picked up a goal recently in the Germans' first victory of the tournament against the Koreans, as Germany has gone one win, one loss, and two shootout losses so far in the tournament.
Moving right along on our international soil, we'll talk about where are they now. And we look to the DEL in Germany. That's the Dutch Elite League, as it's referred to mostly over here in the States. You have the higher league, who had former Nailers Nick Peterson, Jason Jaffrey, and Kevin Schmidt. Peterson had 43 points to lead those three. In particular, Jason Jaffrey, who was a member of our all-25th season team a couple of years ago. He had 29 points, and Kevin Schmidt, who was here in 09-10 had 27 points this season there's also a player in the second league in the DEL and that is Cody Sylvester who put up 64 points this season Sylvester was part of the 2013-14 Nailers who reached the second round of the Kelly Cup playoffs after sweeping the South Carolina Stingrays that was a team that had two current NHLers on it in Mike Condon from the Ottawa Senators in goal and Tom Kunakel of the Pittsburgh Penguins and boy I I was thinking about it, and I'm sure a lot of you were too. The Kunakel goal from Game 2 of that South Carolina series in overtime, crossbar and down, and very nearly sent the Penguins to Game 7 as he hit the left post in overtime of Game 6 against Washington. And without doing any research on it, I think you could have very well said that if that had gone in the net, it would have been the biggest goal for a former Wheeling Nailer in the National Hockey League. Speaking of the NHL, it's time to turn it over to our guest. This week's guest on the Toolbox is a former voice of the Wheeling Thunderbirds. He's now in the National Hockey League, and we're actually recording this on Thursday as he gets set to call Game 7 between the Nashville Predators and the Winnipeg Jets. He's also the TV play-by-play voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, Dave Gosher. Dave, thanks so much for taking a few minutes with me. Uh, it has to be just a thrill any time you get a chance to call a Game 7 like you are tonight. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, DJ, and I... Uh... Yeah, it's a great. You know, it's great to have an opportunity like this. And you know, I think if if you do this for a living, you certainly want to try and do as many big games and big events as you can. So, uh, yeah, this opportunity was kind of presented to me. I was fortunate to uh, be able to do one earlier in the playoffs too. With I uh, went back to my old team in Boston and did the Bruins Leafs Game Seven, which was it was a lot of fun. I had a quick little, I guess it was thirty six hours or so back in Boston. So yeah, this is. Uh, you know, you've got a great atmosphere here in Nashville, uh, Nashville, Winnipeg, and, and right up there with, with my team in Vegas, uh, the best atmospheres in the league. So this will be the first time they've ever had a Game 7 in Nashville. So I'm sure this will be off the charts tonight. You've been a part of two championship teams in your career, the 1999 Providence Bruins in the AHL and, of course, the 2011 Boston Bruins in the NHL. But what has this season been like with the Vegas Golden Knights and experiencing everything from the start to now all of a sudden they're in the Western Conference Final? Yeah, it's been a blast. It really has. You know, I, I, I think you you take a certain leap of faith, um, you know, when you join a, a first-year franchise and, but I, I knew they had a lot of good people in place, that, you know, in their front office and people I had a lot of respect for. And, you know, my partner and I, Shane Knighty, do the games together on television. And, you know, we had a, a bit of a relationship because he was uh, a part of a, the Boston Bruins Stanley Cup team uh, in 2011, as you mentioned. So, you know, I, I think you, you take a leap of faith, but you also realize or you have at least confidence that it's, it's going to be a good experience. And it's been it's been a fantastic experience. Um, you know, love living out in the West and you know, uh, have a house, renting a house out in Summerlin, west of the Strip, and the quality of life is fantastic. It's just gorgeous out there. So it's been, you know, and on the ice, obviously the team has been has been just fantastic. I mean, the, the NHL has never seen anything like it for an expansion team. So it's, you know, that really has been a bonus, to be honest with you, DJ. I think I, you know, if you had asked me in October, I think I would have said, well, they've got a chance to be a good team. But, 
you know, being a good team and, and being a team that's one of, you know, eventually here going to be the final four, that's something, you know, that's a whole different story. So, you know, credit to them. They came together quick. Um, they built some early confidence. They, they won eight of their first nine games. And, and after that, really never, really never looked back. They have not lost more than three in a row all season. So it's been, uh, you know, it really has been a storybook season for them so far. And they're hoping that, you know, they still got another month or so to go. You mentioned moving out west, and there's moving out west, and there's moving into the Las Vegas area. How long did it take you to get adjusted and then to realize, okay, all the glitz and glamour and lights and bells and whistles is just part of the everyday life? Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it's true. Like, it, it, I always say, look, I, I lived in Boston a lot of my adult life, and I've never, <laughs> I never walked the Freedom Trail. I, you know, I, I've never really, you know, you don't, it's when you live somewhere, you don't do things that, you know, I think if you if you went to Vegas for a long weekend, you'd kind of do your thing up and down the strip, and then you know go home with either you know up a lot of money or down a lot of money, right? But to live there is a whole different experience. You know, I mean, the team's got a beautiful uh, two practice rinks out Summerlin, west of the strip, and their team offices are there. So the only time really the team is down on the strip is for the games at T-Mobile Arena. So, uh, but yeah, I and mean, if you want to go down there and see some world-class shows and have some, you know, world-class meals. That's all there. And if you want to get away from it, you know, I can be out of there and back to my house in 15 or 20 minutes. So it's, um, you know, the quality of life is, is, uh, is really, you know, it's the summers get a little bit toasty. I haven't lived through an entire summer, but I know yesterday it was 102 out there, but you know, I'll take that and trade that for what I think has been the four or five snowstorms I would have had to deal with in Boston this, this past winter for sure. On the ice, the team got off to a nice start, but of course, everybody was talking through the season, how long can this last? And now they've won the division, they've won the first two rounds of the playoffs. Was there a point in time during the course of the season where you thought, hey, you know what, this team actually might have a chance to do something special? Yeah, good question. I think there was a time, you know, they they won some games right around Christmas um, where they beat some really good teams. They beat Tampa Bay with about two and a half seconds left in regulation. They beat Washington. They beat Pittsburgh. You know, you can make an argument there. If they're not the three best teams in the East, they're certainly in the mix, right? Um, you know, and I think the coaching staff would tell you there was a stretch. They had a, ironically, as I sit here in Nashville, they had a dad strip where the, the players' fathers came in and had a two-game swing through uh, Dallas, Nashville and Dallas uh, in early December. And they won both of those games on the road uh, against two, you know, at that point, Dallas was still was still near the top of the West. And, you know, so they beat two real good teams uh, away from home. So I think, you know, there were kind of benchmarks throughout the season. Uh, so I think that stretch in early December, and then for me when they started to knock off teams uh, later towards Christmas time, um, where you started to think, you know, they might they might have something here. And as I say, you know, knock on any wood you can find, they have never really had any long dips in their play this year. They haven't had one of those, you know, lose eight out of nine, lose nine of 12 streaks. And, you know, they've been amazingly consistent all season long. Marc-Andre Fleury gets a lot of credit. A lot of people will say that he's the face of the Vegas Golden Knights franchise. But what do you see as some of the biggest strengths of this team from the forwards and the defensemen that make this team click so well and find ways to win so often? Yeah, their depth, I think, DJ, is a big part of it up front. You know, their top two lines, I mean, William Carlson and, and Jonathan Marchessault and Riley Smith, and then Eric Holler, James Neal, and David Perron. I mean, you can, I think they're two of the, especially the Carlson line. I mean, they're they're right up there in the conversation of, of the best line in the league. And, you know, William Carlson is somebody that had six goals last year for Columbus. He had 43 for Vegas this year. So, 
you know, Jonathan Marsh has still had another solid year. Riley Smith put up a career high in points. So, and I think, you know, on their back end, they do it largely by committee. Uh, Nate Schmidt, I think, has been their best defenseman all season in terms of consistency. Uh, but, you know, with him and Colin Miller and Shea Theodore, they've got guys that can really move back there, mobile puck-moving defensemen. And then, you know, once you kind of navigate your way through all that, Marc-Andre Fleury's had, well, numbers-wise, goals against and save percentage, the best season of his career. And that's, that's saying something as somebody that's, I think, probably going to end up in the Hall of Fame when it's all said and done. So, yeah, they've, they, their depth, their team speed, I think teams really have a hard time dealing with. Um, you know, I'll be curious to see as they move forward here, whether it's Vegas, whether it's uh, Nashville or Winnipeg, uh, how they handle it. But, you know, two teams that have plenty of, of, of speed on their own. But, yeah, they've, um, you know, they've been built with some pretty solid depth up and down, up and down the lineup. And I, the other part I would just add to it, DJ, is they get guys that, for whatever reason, were deemed expendable by other teams, right? They all ended up in Vegas for whatever reason it might be. And I think they all feel, and, and led by Flurry and Ned, Despite three Stanley Cup rings, they feel like they have something to prove, and I think they've kind of built on that all year. So Nashville, Winnipeg winner, goes up against Vegas in the Western Conference Final. It's kind of funny. Everything ties together. You worked with Peter Laviolette in 1999 in Providence when they won the Calder Cup. Laviolette before that was here in Wheeling, just like you were a few years before him. So do you have any maybe bias towards Laviolette, or do you have a feel about this Nashville-Winnipeg and maybe who may be the toughest team, whether it's Vegas coming out of the West or to ultimately grab the hardware this year? Yeah, well, I certainly my, my affection for Peter, as you say, goes back a long, long ways. I mean, back to when he was a player in Providence and then a coach in Providence. And, you know, I've, I've known Peter for, well, it's got to be 23 years now. So I, you know, he's, he's one, of my, one of my favorites in the league to catch up with and, you know, was able to spend a little time with him again this morning. So, yeah, I mean, I think inwardly, like I always want to, you know, people that I'm close to, you always want to see them have success. And, you know, I'd love for that, you know, for Peter to have success. Now, that being said, not, not at the expense of the, of the Golden Knights. You know, you have, to, you have to know where your bread is buttered, too. So I think whoever they end up playing, DJ, it's going to be a tough matchup. You know, the Vegas had a, uh, I want to say one, two out of three against Nashville this year. All the games were tight. Um, they, Vegas also had success against Winnipeg, but especially the games up in Winnipeg, it was, it was tough. You know, Winnipeg is a lot to handle, especially in their own building and with their, their speed is one thing, but they're, they have a lot of size, too, which I think gave the Golden Knights some trouble. So, um, yeah, I think either matchup would be tough. Um, I guess if you injected them with truth with some truth serum, maybe they'd like to see Nashville, but I think that's always dicey picking, you know, picking your matchup. If you're playing games in you know, the middle of May, you're going to be playing against good teams. Dare I ask what it's going to be like next week when games three and four return to T-Mobile Arena between the game ops experience that is always out of this world as we see on television, the fan experience, and however the visiting team, whether it be Nashville or Winnipeg, will try and combat that Vegas flu? Yeah, it's, uh, it's off the hook, right? I mean, it, it, we talk uh, a lot. We, we talked a lot during the regular season about every game feels like a playoff game, and now it's it's been really cool to see, you know, actual playoff games uh, take place. You know, the fans love that team, DJ. They, they love um, – they're very proud of the fact, you know, you'll, if, you, if you drove around Vegas, you'd see, you know, billboards that say Vegas born all over the place. And they love that this is their own team. It's not a team that's moved from somewhere else, um, you know, and they're, they're very proud of that. And uh, the passion they have for this team and the love they, the love they have for it is unbelievable. So – um, you know, you wondered if they could ratchet it up even another level or two in the playoffs, and so far they've done that. Um, you know, that being said, it's funny, Paul Maurice kind of touched on it this morning, that 
you know, they played their first round against Minnesota. Minnesota is a real loud building, and they were able to handle it. They've won two games in this series so far in Nashville, which is a tough uh, building to play in. Nashville's won twice in Winnipeg. So I think by this point in the season, uh, regardless of where you're playing, um, you know, your team's good enough to be able to kind of overcome that. But, you know, I, I have no question it's going to be it's going to be off the charts there for, you know, for this next round as really as it's been all season long. Sounds like a lot of fun. Dave, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day today. Nice to see former Thunderbird and Naylor alumni having great success, and I hope you get another championship to be a part of coming up in a few weeks. Yeah, that'd be awesome, DJ. Great to be with you, and best to everyone in Wheeling for sure. Big thanks again to the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, Dave Gosher. And if you are trying to put everything together on how his career has lined up, he started here with the Wheeling Thunderbirds in 1993-94, and then again in 1994-95. So the second and third seasons of the team's existence here in West Virginia. From there, he moved up to the American Hockey League, as we talked about in the interview. He was a part of the 1999 Calder Cup Championship Providence Bruins team, along with the head coach, Peter LaViolette. And from there, he moved up the chain right along in the organization with the Boston Bruins, where he stayed up until this past spring, 2017, before he was hired by the Vegas Golden Knights, making the move from radio to television and now getting the chance also to work on the national stage just like Brendan Burke as he calls Game 7 on radio between the Nashville Predators and the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Great to catch up with Dave and always fun to bring in the alumni and be able to give us that scope on the National Hockey League. There are still a few former Nailers who are participating in playoffs. Of course, John McCarron and Clark Seymour leading the charge with the Florida Everblades. We expect big things from them. We know that at least one former Nailer will be participating in the Kelly Cup Final, whether it is them or whether it is Kenton Miller of the Adirondack Thunder. And then on the other side of the bracket is Bobby Shea with the Fort Wayne Comets. Stay up to date on all former Nailers in their quests for championships this spring with our 2018 playoff tracker. And for all other information, just visit wheelingnailers.com or call 304-234-GOAL. That's 304-234-4625. The Nailer staff has been hard at work coming up with some exciting promotions for the 2018-19 season of Wheeling Nailers Hockey. So stay tuned for information on that as well as some fun ticket packages so that you can enjoy the hard-hitting on-ice excitement of Wheeling Nailers Hockey as well as our outstanding promotions that will certainly be a hit coming up this year. I'm DJ Abasella. Another week of the Toolbox is in the books. We'll talk to you next week. Happy hockey watching.